Hey bitch, welcome back to the show. If this is your first time here, thank you for being here. If you've been here before, thank you for coming back. You know a bitch loves the support. If you hear the goddamn bird outside my window, I'm sorry. There's literally nothing I can do about it. I don't know where it's at. I just hear it screaming. Um, We are going to get into our recipe for this week. Remember that the dishes we discuss on this show pair best with a side of crime. Dude, this week, we're going to make freaking buffalo chicken dip. So good. Oh my god. I'm not even a fan of buffalo wings. Like, the sauce is just too, like, vinegary for me. Um, But whenever you make it like this, oh, pressure. Like, oh my god, it's so good. Um, I ate just that for two days straight. It really tore my stomach up, but it was worth it. So... I'm going to tell you what you need, and you can get to cooking, and then you could sit down and listen to our show for the week. You're going to need a tablespoon of unsalted butter, two teaspoons of minced garlic, two cups of cooked chicken shredded. Now, you can either cook your own chicken and shred it up, or you can go buy a, a what is it called, a rotisserie chicken, and just pull the chicken off and use that. It's good either way. Um, a rotisserie chicken seems like a little less work because shredding chicken on your own is, it's a task. It's a task. Um, you're going to use a half cup of Frank's original red hot sauce or whatever kind of buffalo sauce, hot sauce you want. I'm not here to judge. You're going to get eight ounces of cream cheese, a little bit soft, but not too soft. You know, you don't want it super liquidy. A half a cup of sour cream, a half a cup of white cheddar cheese, or whatever cheese you want, really. This is just suggestions. A fourth cup of American cheddar cheese, a fourth cup of crumbled blue cheese, which is optional and I would not recommend because blue cheese is disgusting, um, in my humble opinion. Two tablespoons of green onions, which are also optional, but I think they're super good. So if you're a fan of green onions, if you throw that shit in there, delish. And then you serve it with whatever you want. You can use celery sticks, carrot sticks. Um, If you're into super healthy things, you can use tortilla chips, um, pieces of like baguette, crusty French bread, potato chips, Ritz crackers. It's endless. They're so freaking good. You're going to preheat your oven to 375. Um, You get you a cast iron skillet or one of those glass um pyrex dishes you're gonna melt your butter saute your garlic until it starts getting fragrant which it always is fragrant but you'll know you'll know it'll start turning like brown and you don't want it to get too brown because then it's going to be like burned you're going to add the chicken and the hot sauce and let it simmer until the sauce is thick Then you're going to set it to low heat and stir in your cream cheese and you're going to mix that up until it's combined really well. Then you're going to take it off the heat, stir in your sour cream and top with both or all of your other cheeses. You put as much cheese as you want. We are a family that likes cheese so we just throw that shit on there. And then you're going to bake it. 
for about 10 minutes until it's bubbly on the edges or like the cheese on top is nice and brown and crusty. Mm. And then you're going to take that baby out of the oven and immediately garnish it with green onions. And then, like I said, serve with the chips, vegetables, bread, whatever of your liking. Guys, guys, when I tell you this buffalo dip changed my life, this buffalo dip turned my life around. This buffalo dip made me born again. Like, it was so good. So you make sure you have everything you need. You get your food together. Sit down and we'll get into our episode for this week, which is the Girl Scout prank. God, I should have taken a nap before I keep yawning. I don't want to keep taking these big giant yawns in the middle of this story because it's crazy. It's wild. So... In April of 1977, there was a training session for some counselors at this place called Camp Scott. The training weekend came to a screeching halt when one of the counselors' cabins was ransacked. So, is that not enough to send everybody home? The cabin was broken into. It just... mm -mm. Uh -uh. So in the middle of the chaos, there was a note with a warning on it. Now the note says, quote, we're on a mission to kill three girls in tent one, end quote. That was the quote. How, how suspect. Now the per perpetrators also made a life-size doll of a man and hung it from a tree by its neck. Very comforting. Totally something that I would see and be like, hey, you know what? In a few weeks, I'm going to bring a bunch of kids here. But the note and the doll, they were just disturbing. But since the note also said something about aliens, everyone was like, oh, this is just some weirdo playing a prank on us. Like, it's no big deal. We can totally open camp and it'll be safe. So two months later in June, summer camp was starting for the kids in the county. On Sunday, June 12th, a bad thunderstorm hit the area where the campers were staying. Three girls in particular... Lori Lee Former, who was age eight, Michelle Heather Goose, who was age nine, and Doris Denise Milner, who was age 10, had met earlier that day, and they all sought shelter from the storm together in tent number eight. The girls lived in a suburb of Tulsa called Broken Arrow. The girls' tent was the furthest away from the counselor's tent, and it was partially hidden by the showers. At 6 a.m. on June 13th, one of the counselors was on the way to the showers. On her way there, she came across the body of a little girl in a sleeping bag. Each girl was laid on the trail next to the shower in a sleeping bag. All three girls had been badly beaten and sexually assaulted. Lori and Michelle had been strangled to death, but Doris was killed via strangulation. Two of the girls had been raped and one had been sodomized. A large red flashlight had been found on the girls' bodies and a fingerprint was found on the lens. However, that fingerprint was never identified. A footprint for a size 9.5 shoe was also found at the scene. Between 2.30 and 3.30 a.m., a landowner who lived on a remote road near the camp said that they heard a lot of traffic which was strange not only for that area but for that time. Several counselors and campers also heard strange noises that night. 
At around 1.30 a.m., multiple people heard moaning sounds coming from the direction of the girls' tent. A counselor looked around to see where the sounds were coming from, but when she couldn't identify them, she went back to her tent. 30 minutes later, a camper in tent 7 was abruptly woken up when someone shone a flashlight in her tent. Around 3 a.m., a different girl scout woke up when she heard a scream come from one from the area which tent 8 was located. Another girl scout heard a scream and someone crying for their mom at around the same time. Since they were kids, they were most likely afraid they went back to sleep or at least tried to go back to sleep because they really weren't sure of what they should do. They were scared. They didn't want to leave their tents. So upon discovery of their bodies, Camp Scott was evacuated, obviously, and later was shut down completely. The camp remains closed to this day, except for the occasional ghost hunter and paranormal investigator, of course, that visit the camp in hopes of contacting the three girls who supposedly haunt the area. Now, during the time of the murders, an escaped convict named Jean Leroy Hart was on the loose. He was raised about a mile from Camp Scott. Hart was in prison for kidnapping two pregnant women and raping one of them, as well as four counts of burglary. He escaped from the police in 1973. When the girls were killed, he was immediately a suspect, and the police conducted a mass search to try and find him. Now, he has been missing for four years. He escaped in 73. The girls were murdered in 77. Ten months after they were killed, a tip led police to a cabin in Cherokee County. They found Hart there. He was taken into custody and tried for the murders. But he was found not guilty, but he did return to prison for his previous crimes where he died of a heart attack in 1979. There was biological evidence found at the crime scene as well as semen found near the bodies of one of the girls. The semen was tested in 1989 and the detectives were unable to rule Hart out as the perpetrator. In 2008, the DNA was tested again in hopes that more answers would come from it. But after so many years, the DNA was just too degraded um, and they weren't able to get any conclusive answers from it. However, that does mean that Hart still wasn't ruled out. And despite being um, not being charged with the murders, many people are still pretty convinced that he's the one that committed them. There was a hair found at the scene of the crime. Um, that belonged to a Native American, which Hart was Native American. There were also items stolen from the camp that were found in a cave that was linked to Hart. There are some theories as to who could have been involved in this crime. For one, it's suspected that a woman had something to do with the murders. In 2008, DNA collected from a pillowcase was tested, and it was found to be partial DNA of a woman. Investigators were able to rule out two of the girls as the owner of the DNA, but they just weren't unable to rule out the third. There is a possibility that the DNA is from one of the victims, but there's also a possibility that it came from a woman who was present at the time the crimes were committed. Now, Sherry Farmer, one of the victim's mothers, said that she always felt there was a woman present when this happened. She said that given the DNA evidence, her belief in that was strengthened. There's another theory that four men were responsible for the girl's death. Reverend, oh God, words. 
Reverend Gerald Manley contacted the authorities saying that he believed four men were involved. He gave law enforcement the names of two of these men, but were they were unable to connect them to the case for whatever reason. Manley said that he went to Camp Scott with four men who were in need of his so-called Christian influence, and he saw the dead body of one of the girls and two more girls in sleeping bags who appeared to be deceased as well. Even though the police could not corroborate his story, he passed a polygraph test about his accounts of the events that happened and provided the same story while under hypnosis. In the time since the murders, the girls' parents had become advocates for other parents with murdered children. Sherry Former is still searching for answers. Of course, when someone's child goes missing, they tend to just keep keep searching and just keep looking for answers because you obviously want to know where the child is. She says that she still remembers her last interaction with her daughter. Quote, we hugged and I told her that I loved her, unquote. Then she sent her daughter on the bus on her 45-minute trip to camp. Sherry says she wishes she'd never let her daughter go. Sherry says that her daughter had just finished the fourth grade, and since she was the oldest, she was very smart, very mature, and such a good big sister. Now, this is a little bit confusing because if counselors heard noises and heard moaning and crying and things like that, and they went to go investigate, even if the storm was over, if the girls were on a a trail, on a path to the showers, why weren't they seen? And then on top of all the suspicions from that, there is the suspicion of Manly and his Christian influence. It's a little misleading when he says he saw the dead body of one of the girls and two more girls in sleeping bags who also appear to be deceased as well. So is he having a vision of him and these four men going or did they actually go and he saw the dead girls? Which if that's the case, why are five random men who have nothing to do with this camp or these children going to this children's camp to see what's going on? It's a very strange um, case in my opinion. I don't think anyone has been arrested to this day for those crimes. But if you have any theories, feel free to drop one in on Instagram at with a side of crime. Let me know. Um, Shameless plug. Give us a follow. Let me know what you think, your opinions about what happened in this case. Um, It kind of freaks me out. If I ever have a child, I would definitely never send them to a summer camp because what the hell. And yeah, just give me your general thoughts on the case. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll be back next week with a new case and a new recipe. Um, Yeah, I'm your host, Kaylin, and thanks for listening to the show.